Welcome to the first collaboration between Real Estate Balance and Black Professionals in Construction. Uh, my name is Sarah Chowdhury. I'm a partner at PwC uh, and I'm also a member of Real Estate Balance. Um, I'm joined today by Amos Simbo, who's the founder of BPIC, and Carol Massey, who's the CEO of EasyBuild. Um, the, this is the first in a series of podcasts that's really aimed at talking to a diverse range of leaders across the sector, um, understanding more about people's journeys, some of the challenges that have been faced and, and how you've overcome them. So uh, without further ado, Amos, um, BPIC has been hugely successful and has grown so quickly. Um, what made you found it and, and why do you think that is? Yeah, um, yeah thanks for that. Um, I, think, I think from what I've said in the, in the past, you know, um, sometimes it's a bit, it's a bit funny to say, but I didn't think of starting it. You know, it, it just started itself, um, in a way. So sometimes, it, it, that that on its own sort of makes you think to say, was it just meant? You know, things were meant to go in this direction in a way because I had so many other plans of what to do. As you know, I'm in construction, so you know my, my whole actual plan. Was to build a consultancy and, and become an MNE subby, and that, that's literally where all my energy was going. And then just all of a sudden, you know, the BPIC starts, um, and I was, I was sort of giving it half attention initially to say oh, I just wasn't sure what, what was going. So, but the thing that actually made me do it is I used to do public speaking lessons every Tuesday uh, in Waterloo um, with a gentleman called Gavin. Um, he, he used to be like a, a BBC uh, actor. Um, so he's the one, I used to go every Tuesday, so he said we should have a presentation of something, just, you know, for presentation skills, every Tuesday, so the four of us. So I had to pick something to present, so I was like, oh, let me just pick BP now, because everybody could understand it, rather than me just presenting about niche, something that no one could understand. So I kept talking about it every week for about five, six weeks, and he kept saying, you have to do it, like, you have to, every week, so... Trying to prepare for the presentation, yeah. and then actually started preparing BPIC, yeah. like a lot more, exploring a lot more. So every week you'd say, No, you should speak to so and so, and then I'll do that. That's literally how, I, I, even myself, I started thinking, You know what, let me just give it a go. Um, so that's basically how I started. Um, so there was never a, I was never angry about anything or wanting to, to change the world in that way. It just, it just happened you know, on its own. And how did it get so much momentum? You know, clearly you've got hundreds of members now, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And yeah. So, I mean, in terms of getting people, I think it was... Um, in, in the end, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do with it. Like, so, building... So, like, most of the time, when, I, when I'm doing nothing, I'm just scribbling stuff down. So I was like, oh, let me just do a plan to see how it actually work. So I did a sort of mini business plan about it, uh, how it's going to work, like, like, like sent it all across, um, and then... I kept looking at it, and then I think one of my colleagues was just like, I was like, where do we start? <laughs> what do we do with it? And then someone was like, oh, maybe we could just launch it. So that was an idea that just stayed, okay, we could launch it, fine. And then we had drinks at JLL's offices one day, and then we met one of the MDs, and they said, um, yeah, you could launch it, we'll do it for you. So that's where I locked everything. And they were really keen to do it. But it just went really fast and then launched it. Um, so th that's how it came to light. And then when people turned up, that's when they're like, okay, um, what can we do? You know, people with, with what they want, being in the industry, etc., etc. That's how it literally picked up. N now I, I know a lot about like construction, diversity, yeah. inclusion, 
like so much that I've got such a clear like um, plan of where this is gonna go, uh, what I want to do with it. But it was it was never the case. Like I had, I had no clue. Basically. That's fantastic, <laughs> though. And I know we'll we'll come on to it shortly. But there's clearly a a real desire and need for it in in the sector. I think but there is there, there's there's a massive need. I was I was so. surprised by it to start with. I didn't know. I, I didn't. I didn't know there was people like Carol in the industry. You mm. know, when I first met Carol, it was like, how do I don't know Carol? Like, I don't. I, I probably wouldn't have never met Carol or known about Carol. Sure. You know, yeah. so when I, when I started like exploring, it, I was like, start meeting so many people, and mm. you're like, where are these people? You know, like, I thought I thought I was the only one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought I was gonna be the shining light, <laughs> and it's just like someone's already shown the light. Um, so you know, make my point, Carol. Met so many people, so. There's a need for it. I think they just need. There's no. There wasn't any connectivity yeah. between the people. Like structures are really important, and you know, we all. You know, I keep saying we all live in bubbles, isn't it? In two different bubbles. So, in our own bubble, there was just no connectivity of where people are. Yeah. You know, and you can't put it like you know on on anybody else. I, I keep saying it's like me having to know so much more about Irish people. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I mean, I just don't have a clue. But you need some somewhere where you can sort of you know ha- have a centralized point where if you want to know, you can get access. You can you can get to know, and that, that's what this is. So there's a need for it in terms of it being like a connected um, block of professionals, really. Yeah, no, great. And speaking of connections, Carol. <laughs> so you know you're you're a CEO. Um, you're a black woman in the industry. How did you get into construction, and and what's it like being? I'm guessing probably one of the the very few females and at that um, black women in the industry. So my background um, is accountancy. So um, just like me, that's great. Yeah. So <laughs> it, I had the choice of um, actually going to college or being employed, and at the time there was 3.6 million unemployed. So my mind said, well, let, let's get a job as an office junior and. You know, because everything was about work experience. You've got to have work experience before you can get into a job. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoyed working. And my first step into construction was, whilst I was an office junior, going to Lang Construction to pick up the big tenders, which were to be photocopied. And that was my task, <laughs> to make sure they were photocopied, ring-bound, and submitted so that they can submit the tender. So... You know, looking at all those construction projects and how they price, that was my first step into construction. And then, in terms of my skill, from an accounting perspective, I applied for a job at Barrett's the House Builders, which I'm proud to say are still around today. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we're talking over 30 plus years ago. And I, I remember going for the interview, and the accountant there, I was 18, and the accountant there was. Um, he was just so engaged, so warm, and so he was like, oh, I like Jamaican food. And it just, I felt, is this an interview? At that young yeah. age, you're expecting to be challenged on what can you do, what value you're going to bring to the business, what's your aspirations. But he was very much about, you know, <clears throat> wanting to give me the opportunity to, to come in. Um, he understood that I was wanting to still study at night school, and he said he'd give me as much support as possible. Anyway, I got the job, and that was my actual understanding of construction, the process, so accounting, subcontractors, everything, the life cycle of what happens out on site, the materials, and it just evolved from there. And then I was intrigued with with technology, and at one of the 
you know, companies I worked for, and it was an Irish construction company, um, I just was intrigued about well, the manual processes. Um, let's now look at how we can use technology to improve and be more efficient. And I was responsible for you know, going around and looking for business systems to help support both finance and construction. And it was then that I saw that I liked technology. Yeah. And I got into implementing the system, making sure all the business saw the true value of how it's going to help them, enable them to do their jobs more efficiently. And um, the, you know, the company we put the software in for asked me, well, look, you've done a really good job, do you want to come and work for us? Mm. And at the time, you know, I just had a, a young child and it was, just wasn't time, it wasn't right. But you know, a few years later, I thought, I need to give this a go. And I was a business consultant, implementing systems, going around the country for the best part of 12, 13 years with the, the likes of Alfred McAlpine's Carillion, Taylor Woodrow, going in and talking to businesses about how to do things more efficiently. Some of them listened, yeah. some of them like Carillion didn't, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happened. Um, but you see, Carillion just, grow, just got too big for its yeah. own good with dif- different businesses being acquired. But that was my, my passion for getting into construction. And I was then, through working with the technology side, um, my role was changed, and it was said, well, you've said, she's actually got a good relationship with clients, but she can generate money at the same time. So it was, and it was trying to push me into a sales role, which wasn't what I wanted to be. I was yeah. about being that trusted advisor. You know, you've got a problem, tell me the problem, and I'll see how I can advise you to do either with system or change your business process. And, and that's how... You know, I wanted to be seen as a, as a person that can use construction technology. Eventually, you know, the challenges I had there was a male-dominated um, environment as such. Never saw that as a problem. Um, I think they saw it more of a problem than I yeah. did. But I just looked at that I wanted to continue being that person that a big client can pick up the phone and say, I've got an issue here, how can we resolve it? Without the need of, well, there's an order form first before you speak to me. So that's always been my philosophy. But what's happened in the end is that, you know, it's generated revenue. But that's been um, how I got into construction. And as a result of all that experience, the job that I'm in now came up. I was asked to, um, you know, be a CEO of EasyBuild. And at the time, I was like... I haven't had any experience of, of, yeah. of this. You know, this is a more senior role. And it was one of those things where you kind of, you know, look at what the task was going to be. It's, a, you know, it's construction technology house. What is my experience? Construction, yeah. technology, dealing with people, wanting to be successful at the same time and help others. And for me, that was, you know, actually I made a decision and said, I'm going to give this ago and make the you know my dna's rise to the challenge and you know just keep focus and and here i am so that's been my journey now that's really interesting what you were saying about kind of when you were offered the role and i think from my own personal experience and i know kind of many others um in sort of minority backgrounds um feel what they call imposter syndrome at at certain times in their career and you know it's it's really nice to hear about kind of how you overcame that and I just think a lot of younger people in the industry 
don't know that they can overcome it. Yeah. So I don't know what other advice either of you have around kind of how to overcome that imposter syndrome. Yeah. For myself, you know, again with the imposter syndrome, it was something I had to, you know, look at, understand. And I think, you know, you could be in it without knowing you're in it. Mm. And it's, um, and I'm look, looking back, there's been many a times I've, you know, even certain roles or been put in certain situations where I felt, my gosh, can I do this? You know, you know, it's a spotlight on me, you know, as a, as a female, or as a, as a black female, you know, if I mess up, it's, it's yeah. going to be much more bigger than, than anyone else. And then that's, that's, you, then I, you know, used to have this kind of, oh gosh, what's, what's, and then I used to say, well, what's the biggest thing can happen, Cal? Pull yourself together, you know, at the end of the day, if you do what you're good at and keep your focus, then that's all you can, yeah, yeah. that's all you can do, that's all you can do, and, you know, I've, I've you know, said to you, Ames, well, I've had some uh, challenges in, in my career path where decisions or actions have happened to me that, you know, at the time I'm in it, I kind of, okay, but then when you go back and you think about it, you think, well, would I have been treated differently if I was a wasn't a female or if I wasn't a different colour or yeah. or there's been other times where it's been quite quite funny when you know you're, you're dealing with a client for a long time you know through email and telephone and you're having a good you know build up of a good rapport of relationship and the first time you walk into the boardroom and you say Carol Massey and they kind of look at you and in your mind yeah. you just think <laughs> You don't think you didn't think yeah. I was back, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's that kind of, and it's actually quite <laughs> yeah. nice because the relationship has just, you know, yeah. gelled. And you know, to be the position where I am at the moment, and and I'm, you know, it's not been an easy road, yeah. but it's been something that I've enjoyed. The you know the the progression from being that office junior being the, the junior accounts clerk and doing the, you know, clipping batch headers onto invoices, keying in data, yeah. um, being the one that has to put the mail together open. It's been a, a journey. And, yeah. you know, one of my things, you know, I would say to, to people is that, you know, don't try and write the future. You know, your future is each day. And it's, it's keeping the focus on what you're good at yeah. Rather than trying to say, well, I can be good at this and I can be good. No, no, no. Just keep your focus, <clears throat> and that's what's kept me going. Is that I focus on what makes me Carol happy, but also I'm also mindful of yeah. the people that are around me as well. Yeah, and, and uh, I really like that what you're saying because for me, imposter syndrome can be confusing. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you don't really know when it's time for imposter syndrome yeah. or when you know you have to be doing it because sometimes you, you probably put in like unnecessary pressure on yourself that's not needed so yeah. I think one one of the you know I'll, I'll just think about now you know like some of these things have, have happened to me but you have flashbacks isn't it like, oh, what happened I remember when I was at the Olympics um, I was sort of the supervisor in charge of that day um, so there was a lady from the ODA which is Olympic Delivery Authority um, they had an emergency so they were like, oh, I need the supervisor to come in right now. So I came out of the office, ran there with my radio, and I literally stood next to her. And then she was on the radio. She was like, I need someone to come. I was like, I'm here. <laughs> and, but she, she went again on the radio. She was like, supervisor, 
and I took my radio and I was next to her. I was like, I'm next to you. <laughs> literally on the radio. And then she was like, oh, it's you. And I was like, yes, it's me. But I, I don't know why she did that. It might just because I, I, it might just because I look really young. I never actually like, I look I look young now, but I look really young yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it might have been that. Yeah. She just thought, what's this um, volunteer doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the Olympics. So you never know. I, I think what the best way to solve it is what Courage said to say: have that inner confidence in yourself that you don't even have to think about that. You know, because it affects. It affects everybody. It affects like it's to do with gender sometimes, it's to do with like race sometimes, isn't it? Where people feel like you know, like they have to perform for the whole race. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's it's sort of to say, if you have that inner confidence within yourself, it's not even something you think about to say I'm being put in this position, etc. It, it's more like because at the end of the day, it gets so confusing with with things centered around diversity, with the law. That's my perspective. With a lot of words thrown at them, sometimes you confuse everybody. Like yeah. Nobody yeah. even knows yeah. what, what we're talking about now. You know? Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're clearly, clearly a, a really strong person, Amos. And I think, you know, we hear more and more, and I think people are starting to get a bit more comfortable talking about some of the examples of what they've, you know, experienced. Um, and with everything that's gone on over the last few months globally, um, you know, there's so much, there's so much shock and this, but there's also so much support for the Black Lives Matter movement um, across the real estate and construction industries. But, I mean, what I've been finding myself when talking to people is I think people find it really uncomfortable to, to hear, you know, the story that you just told, for example. I think, I think people are going to find that quite uncomfortable to listen to. Mm. You know, for you, you might be used to experiencing it, but um, I think it's surprising how many people will find that really shocking um because yeah. maybe you're used to to dealing with that and and i don't know um you know both of you what your thoughts are on that or if there's any other experiences that that you are comfortable sharing that i, I mean from from time to time because literally when we're talking about imposter syndrome i just said two experiences some of them they happen and then you have to look back you're like hang on a minute that was bad you know um, it takes a while to it, 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 yeah i know it, it's all it's almost part of like life Really, and and I'm I'm sure we all have it in different you know facets of things, yeah. where you you have I mean when I first came here they were saying you know when when British people are joking you sort of get it when you get home isn't it, mm-hmm. and you're like oh I just got insulted, yeah. <laughs> 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 that guy in the afternoon was insulting me yeah. you know because sometimes it's um people are sarcastic yeah. isn't it so you then you learn about it you're like oh that's what you meant um so you never see it so I remember. I was speaking to one of my colleagues um, during the peak of like Black Lives Matter, and they're like, "Have you been like stopped and searched or anything?" And I was like, "No, but I haven't, you know." And I was like, "Hang on a minute, I think I have, <laughs> and actually I have at the end. Wow. I was literally going to. I had a site, and so after the Olympics, we were building University of East London. Um, they, they've got a new campus there, but this was probably like eight years ago, and I used to live in Leytonstone, so I used to I used to walk." Um, to work um, all, all the time. So what had happened is I had shut down site that day and I'd use one of, you know, you know those things that say um, slippery floor, the yellow triangle that they put yeah. when they're mopping the floor. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd used it to support one of my tyres in my car, like from site, um, because I, I didn't want to mess up the, um, the boot of the car. So I, I drove home 
with it and then I was coming back to sight with it, holding it. Um, and then I got stopped for it. So they're like, what are you doing with that? And I was like, what? It's like about five pounds, the whole thing. So they, about three police officers came to me and, and, and they're like, where are you going? And I was like, to sight. And they're like, what's that triangle about? And I was like, um, it's just um, <laughs> going back to sight. Um, and then they're like, okay, fine, fine, you can go. Um, but looking back, it happened to me. I just never took notice of it because for me, but I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. Uh, so sometimes it depends on people because for me, I don't think I even told anyone because like, it was so insignificant at yeah. the time to me. I just went, I didn't even think about it, put it that way. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't even think, I, don't, I didn't even think, I didn't even think the wider scope to say, what do these guys have another, something else to do? Mm-hmm. Like during the day, what, what are they supposed to be doing? You never think of it, you know. But now looking back, you know, oh, it actually happened to me, you know. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, sometimes you can trivialize people's experiences thinking it actually never happened to you, but it has, yeah. you know. I agree. So, so right now, I don't even know, maybe something else happened to me, I don't know. Yeah. But it depends on the people. So for me, I probably don't take notice of it. Yeah. And I just go about being happy, right? Or not, or I might be angry anyway. Um, but it just—it's just not anything that then affects. I don't know about you, Carl. Yeah, for myself, um, it, it really been on the the, the gender um, um, perspective. In that, I I worked in a um, a male-dominated environment, and it was, you know, construction. So construction yeah. software and construction. The banter is the same. It's just yeah, yeah. In, in the oh, office okay. as opposed to <laughs> out on site. And, um, you know, you, you still have the dynamics of strong personalities and individuals that think they can take, um, you know, the view that a woman's coming to work, that they can use banter if their wives aren't going to work. So this particular person just, just had this on and on. I think, oh, oh she's at home around the kitchen sink. She's at home doing the ironing. Oh, and you know there'd be conversations with his, you know, partner on the phone, and it always seemed to be when I'm around. Yeah. And at mm. the time, I just think, what's that all about? Yeah. And at first, it was like, oh, and then, then it just got too too regular. Yeah. Whilst I was in the room, or if there was a meeting that's taking place, that used to be the the small chats and the other guys will come in and have a laugh. Yeah, yeah, well, she better have done my shirts properly. And it's <laughs> at the time you just think, that's just awful. Yeah. You know, to be talked about that, not alone by your, your partner, but in front of another female, it's yeah. just sounded, just sounded, and retrospectively, you, there you're getting on, I'm getting on with my job because I'm there, I come yeah. out to work, I'm a working mum. And I enjoy working, so I kind of switch off. But then when I go back, I think that was just so weird. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's, it's um, I, I can relate to what you're saying because sometimes people need to. Sometimes you feel like you can't react because I've, I've been on this on sites where yeah. we had a female client PM, um, and then we, we were working on site one of the project managers, and then I was like, oh, she's not happy, is she? Um, and then he went, yeah, don't worry about it, mate. There's no way I'm gonna listen to a woman ever. Um, and then I'll just, I just said, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like, were you thinking, what? You can't say that, you know. So sometimes it's about people actually start to call each other out, even Absolutely. if it doesn't really yeah. affect you. Yeah. In that instant, I should have been like, hang on a minute, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean by that? You know. Yeah. But I just felt like I couldn't say any, anything about it. It's just not, it doesn't affect me, does it? 
or one day I was making tea in the canteen. There's there's three of us in the canteen, and then uh, one guy was like, "Oh, I didn't sleep at home last night," and I was like, "Oh, why?" And he said, "Oh, my missus kicked me out of the house." And then me and the other guy laughed. We were like, oh, what happened? He's like, you know, I haven't been sleeping at home. I'm really, really like, stressed out. And then the other guy started laughing. He was like, oh, man, up. Like, don't do that. Like, whatever. And then we sort of made coffee, sat down. Um, and then, like, five seconds later, the other guy's like, oh, I almost committed suicide last year because my missus, I had a breakdown in my relation. I was like, what were you laughing at? <laughs> so it's kind of like sometimes when you're in those situations, yeah. You don't want to confront it. You just feel like that's how it is. It's yeah. the, that's what that's culture, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, think I completely agree. I think that there's something around all of us trying to, in our respective instances, trying to create that culture where people can call out yeah. that bad behaviour, whether it be you know um, to do with mental illness, whether yeah. it be to do with race or gender. That's just no longer acceptable. It never should have been, but you know, I think that's where we need to get to. Yeah, and that's 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 culture. Like when you have that, because right now we've got that culture off, yeah. we just go with it, you know. I've I've, I've been in so, so you many. You still st- think that we're in that place, and there's yeah. I've been in so many situations where really uncomfortable things have been said. Yeah. But you just don't do anything about it, you know. Especially like around women, around race, around sexuality, you know. People be like, oh, you know, that gay guy, you know, some mm. derogatory words, yeah. and then you just kind of just don't say anything about it, and that's that's the culture. But then culture can also shift and, and change. Yeah. And with the right leaders in place, people will know you can't say that stuff around here. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And um, I suppose with that in mind, what would be, you know, and our discussions kind of spanned quite, yeah. quite a lot of areas, yeah. but what would sort of kind of closing advice be to... Um, whether it be kind of the leaders and, and the companies, but also to kind of the younger generation who are trying to come through and who are diverse and trying to make their way around kind of improving that culture. I just, you know, and I'm, you know, I've, I've accepted some um, requests to go into schools and university. It's about that self-belief, and I think what's ha- happened over the last few months has brought it to the surface there's more visibility and be more confident to talk rather than feel that you're on your own. And I think there needs to be more um, forums, online discussions that the youngsters can feel that they can log on and and talk to others and and, and share their experiences. But also, you know, at the end of the day, it's about their resilience and believing that they're here for a purpose, to get a job, to, to... create a future that and a legacy for for themselves and their family behind them and it's about just making sure that they 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 get the support and know that there is support and I think that's the biggest thing is making the material or or the online material available for them to mm-hmm. to seek the help because I think that's what the problem's been you know that there's no youth clubs there's there's none of these places that I remember years ago that you can reach out and sit down and talk to somebody there's none of that yeah, but, and that's for, but, but for you as a CEO in an organisation, what, what are the this, this hurdles surely, like of how dealing with it within your organisation, like as the you you're, you're the person right at the top, isn't it? Yes. Like what what do you <clears throat> what, 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 what do you do like as in what's what's the approach? Do you feel like it, do you feel like navigating the whole thing sometimes is a bit of a headache? 
like in sort of find of out changing the culture, like in, increasing more inclusive like inclusion within the organization within the yeah. industry. Because right now, people are also looking at you yeah. as the leader of the in in the industry yeah. to say how are we effectively changing it. Yeah. And I, 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 from what I see, I don't, I don't think it's as straightforward. It's, but but it's I don't know. I I think what people don't know is what's so, what's not straightforward about it. Well, it's 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 not straightforward. Nothing in in getting to a, a senior role is it straightforward. And we, we've talked about the different challenges. But from my personal perspective, I've got a, a small team, and my whole recruitment is about allowing everyone to have the opportunity. And I think there's a lot of things that need to be changed from a HR perspective. And I know for a fact that some people CV will come across, and if the name's not right, it doesn't go mm -hmm. further. So it's all about making sure, you know, on your website, um, your, your diversity inclusion and, and being part and being able actually to talk that message outwardly, not only, mm -hmm. you know, to your, yeah. your staff, but also to the sector. And that's the biggest thing. And you, you mentioned before, people just try and hold back mm -hmm. because... There's that reluctance that, oh, if I speak up, you might be perceived, oh, as a troublemaker. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. that's what it is. In some instances that people want to climb, but they say, well, if I try to get to a certain place, you know, or if I use it on a woman or I'm a, you know, a, woman, a black woman or a black person, yeah. you know, it might go against you rather than for yeah. you. And that's what we yeah. need to try. Because one thing is always, sorry, hold an interview here, but... <coughs> I have a question for, for you, but genuinely, like, I was thinking about it to say, people say you need a business case and a moral case and everything. Do you need a business case for diversity? Is there a need for a business case? I mean, there is, of course, a need for a business case. Mm -hmm. But is there, really, is there a need for a business case? I think in the perfect world, there would be no need yeah. for a business case. Yeah. Um, I think, from, from what I've personally seen, I think we were moving from there being a business case, in the, you know, in the last couple of years, people have been saying there's a business case for gender diversity, ethnic diversity. I think some of the, the more recent events that have just kind of blown everything into much more kind of bigger proportions globally, I think people are starting to, the business leaders are starting to also yeah. realise that it doesn't matter whether or not there's a business case, there is yeah, a, a moral case. Only, the only reason I ask is, business is, oh, the, the whole world was building on a lot of inequality, and so business has been thriving yeah. for a really long time, when things were massively unequal. So is there a business case, or is it made up one? People are making stuff up now, because like, <laughs> business will thrive. Like this whole world has been building some massive, massive inequalities. Yeah. Is there really? That's my question. I don't know what you're yeah. to say. Is there really, or people are now beginning to look for things that are not even there? It's a challenging question, it is. which um, we may have to cover in the next. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we've run out of time, Amos. Yeah. But I, I think just having this conversation has has opened, opened up, up so many. Yeah, yeah. So I, many. And, and I think and my, my question was. Yeah. The one you last say, what advice can you give to people, right? For me, it's that question of, you know, like if you, if you if if right now, um, something happens that's I spill water on you, hot water on you, for example, right by mistake, well intentionally, right? Police will come, right report, I'll, I'll get locked up. That's just that's what happens, 
right? Nobody would come and start writing a report about it and then doing a petition about it and saying, oh, you're having a demonstra demonstration about it. Like, some of these things, are they just that straightforward to say, make it so simple? In, in, like, if you're a leader, let's not go around and say, oh, let's write another report about it. Let's mm -hmm. look into an inquiry. Why women need rights? <laughs> or why, like, it should be all equal? Why, obviously, there's, like, pay gaps and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. That on its own can be perceived as also discrimination. You know, to say you're like throwing a ball for, for a dog to pick up and throw it back again. Yeah. You know, continuously. Like, you, you, you could just give the ball to the dog mm -hmm. and say, go and play. Yeah. Instead of just, you know what I mean? So that on its own will probably be the next step and just go around in circles, like globally. So if there's anything to, the, I'm always to say, if people want to change, it's so straightforward to change. So if there's anything for the industry, that's also say if leaders want to change it, change it. Because even for us, BPIC, you know, we sign up with organizations and they go, oh, who else are you signing up with? Obviously, it's to, to know they're in a good crowd. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, you don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. like, just sign up yeah. if you want to sign up. Yeah, believe you... in it. And sign yeah. 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 If you don't want to sign up, don't yeah. sign up. Yeah. Don't be asking me who else is signed up to it. So that you... Don't treat it as a PR exercise. Yeah, like, yeah. So, oh, yeah. who, who else you got? I know exactly why it's happening because obviously it's to do with who else is who else being in the right crowd and uh, if they're if, if you're with them, it makes it, it must mean that you're doing the right thing, etc., etc. But that probably should be like a, that shouldn't be a decisive point. It probably should just be in passing to say, oh, who else are we amongst? Yeah. When you've already made the decision, not to make a decision on who else has done it, because it's got to be you that wants to do it. Yeah. You know, do you get it? Yeah. yeah. So, so that I'll probably say that's um, that's my closing piece. No, thank you, and I think that that action piece is so important. Yeah, um, thank you both so much. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation, um, and I hope to continue it. Yeah, same, absolutely. Yeah, I think, definitely. I think it's been yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank, thank you. you.